Without God, I can't do anything. I remember once a sermon, Reggie Scarborough, Lakeland, Florida, he leaned against the pulpit with tears and said, I can't even cross the street without the Holy Spirit. And I thought, yeah, that, that right there, right? So I can't do radio or this podcast or speak publicly or really cross the street without the Holy Spirit. And so right up front, I acknowledge God, um, as the word says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. And so as I re-engage in the podcast world, (laughs) I um, am desperate for God to help me in the process. Um, Yeah, and so there was a season where I was putting out a podcast every day, Monday through Friday, And we were trying to establish something, and it did establish a lot in my own soul. There was a lot of healing that happened to me during that time, and I was so happy to partner with India Partners for a while and to partner with great producers like Jason and Melanie, and I was so thankful when Cure International came alongside and said, hey, we believe in what you're doing, and I'm like, I believe in what you're doing, and we were able to just partner And I'm just so thankful for Cure International. I just want to say that right up front. They heal kids. And they tell the the children and the families about the healer. These are kids who have correctable disabilities, but because of money or access to medical care, because of often um, lack of education, they just don't know. And Cure comes in. Woo, the healing power of Jesus flows through. It's wonderful. Be a hero with a monthly support um, connection to Cure if you want to become a hero. Cure.org. Um, and I'm just thankful for that partnership. And and so anyway, here I am again. I'm reengaging. And as I'm talking to you, the things that burn inside of my soul are like Charlotte and the rage in our nation. Um, I'm just going to read you something that I wrote on my Facebook page today because it kind of poured out of me and it's kind of how I felt. So let me just read this real quick as I scroll down (laughs) on my Facebook page. What is at the root? I wrote, what is at the root? Rage, bitterness, hatred, fear, depression, helplessness, pride, despair, guilt, shame. It's not about a group of people turning over cars and throwing things at police officers. Like, what's behind all that, right? That rage and bitterness and fear and helplessness. There's only one who can heal that. There's only one remedy. And so my soul aches for the body of Christ, the church, those of you who love Jesus like I love Jesus, those of us who know him, that we would be so submerged in Christ, the fruit of our lives would be a love and a joy and a peace and a patience and a goodness and a gentleness and a kindness and a self-control and a faithfulness and all these fruit so that people can come to Christ. That's what the world needs, and they would taste that through our lives. Um but I know two things. One, we must be like trees planted by his love and in his love saturated. So the fruit of our lives, people can eat. That's what they need. They need they need Jesus, the real deal. Um, I know that. 
I don't know what that looks like for me personally in this moment when it comes to America and our world. I don't know, but I know that that is what people need. I know they need Jesus. He's the healer. He's the one. He is the remedy. He is the answer. He is the one. I know that. I also know that it's important, imperative, and paramount that we pray for the outpouring of God's glory on the earth. I know this. This is where we have to plant our feet and pray and believe and cry out to God for him to pour out his glory. Like in the days of Noah, when the water saturated the earth, that's the picture I have of God's glory saturating the earth. And it's just going to get messier and darker and more confusing, and there's going to be a lot of rage. And if we want to hide under a table, we can and find a safe place to wait it out. Or we can pray that God would give us strength for the day, plant our feet and pray, and then in a saturated life in Christ, bear fruit. However that looks for you, the calling and the fruit of your life, it's not gonna look like mine, but that's what I know. These are the things I know. (laughs) Oh, and so I had a conversation with Dwight Bain a couple of days ago, and we recorded it so that you could hear his thoughts on loneliness. He really wanted to be more transparent than he has been. He said that he didn't want to be like a, cl- uh, a clinician of uh, therapy. He wanted to be like a person sitting at a table with you, having coffee, and we're just talking. So he was in Orlando during this conversation. I was in Denver. And that's what you're going to hear for the next few minutes. And I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to find Dwight, you can reach out to him at DwightBain.com. If you want to hear a lot of shows where Dwight was a guest, LifeWithLisaWilliams.com. And if you want to become a hero who helps heal children through surgeries and through medical care, you can do that at Cure.org. I'm just a radio girl. I love things that talk to me. You LOL. I did. I truly laughed out loud. Now, this may be the dumbest thing in the whole world, but it worked on me. There's a dog chasing a train. Get by dog. Hey, Natalie, how old are you? I will pray with you now. Before you leave, I have to pray with you. I'm here for the people in the hood. You know, Jesus is my very, very best friend. Pray without ceasing, which is not some sort of so heavy I can't do it command. It is this breath of fresh air that I am involved in what God is doing in the earth today. I'm Lisa. I'm great. Everything's fine. Somebody just wrote on my Facebook page, please get your mom on Facebook. We want to be her friend. Do you want to be on Facebook? What is that? Are you on Twitter? I talked to the mailman. Is that Twitter? Life with Lisa Williams is like a cake. Run around in the sun. Exactly. Put a sprinkler in the yard. This is life. This is this, this, this is, is life. life. This is life. 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 This is Life with Lisa Williams. It's a bigger problem than people could possibly imagine. Um, My guess is maybe people don't even realize that that's what it is for them, that they're lonely and they don't even know it because they're like, whatever, I've got kids in the house and a husband and a job and I'm on social media and I've got a dog and a cat. And of course, I'm not lonely. You know, I've yeah. got all this going on, but my guess is that maybe what you're going to say today is going to open our eyes a little bit more to what loneliness really is. Um, right. So, so let's start by talking about standing in front of the refrigerator or the pantry because you're so hungry, but you don't know what you're hungry for. Have you ever done that? Oh, absolutely. Where you just walk into the kitchen and stare yeah. at the fr- in the fridge. Yeah. Did you know, I was reading an article earlier this morning for a a training I'm going to do this afternoon, 
And the research shows that many times when we do that, and I do that, it's because we're thirsty. We're not hungry. We're thirsty. But our brain says something's missing. And what we really need is hydration. And what we substitute is something else. Food or something else. Yeah, something. But what we really need is hydration. And what got me thinking about that, because I was really excited to to be a little more personal and talk about loneliness. Because so many times I think people will choose something and what they really need is meaningful relationship. I mean, how many people, I saw this, um, I had to go pick up a, a shirt and tie for a TV show. And, and, and I walk in a mall at like 10 o'clock in the morning, and I never go to a mall, hardly ever, but certainly not at 10 o'clock in the morning when they open. And Lisa, there were so many women by themselves, no kids, and they were wandering around looking at stuff. And I thought, this must be the loneliest place on the planet. Oh, wow. <laughs> because they weren't with kids or, you know, right. a friend. They were just quietly walking along, buying stuff. And I thought, that's it. They're standing instead of in front of a refrigerator. Mm -hmm. They're walking through a clothing store or a shoe store, getting more stuff to make up for what's missing inside. And I just, and I thought, you know, I don't know what's going on in their life, but I know what's going on in mine. And so many times I've made the wrong decision because I just didn't have meaningful connection and meaningful relationship. And this is where some of the mission work you've done and you've seen in other parts of the world is so significant because some of the happiest people in the world do not live in the United States. Right. That's kind of a phenomenon for people who go on missions trips where you think, I'm the wonderful, wealthy American with all my Bible knowledge. I'm going to go help these poor people who are so sad and lonely without me. And then you get there and you realize crud they're so happy they're so peaceful they have nothing in their content and beautiful and full of life and they have community and joy it's weird you know it's an eye-opener to our pride and our whatever we are well when you're able to see that and you go they've got more than me yeah and, and here's the part that many cultures of the world because they don't have stuff they don't have facebook they don't have storage units full of things left over from you know uncle fred's uh you know <laughs> house when it sold and we didn't want to get rid of the furniture because we know we're going to need that big table and china cabinet for you know to see 12 people one day <laughs> they don't have any of that they have each other and when you have deep meaningful relationship listen you have a piece of heaven. Yes. Yes. Heaven yes. is relationship. Yes. It's relationship with God. It's relationship with each other. It's, it's what, during one of the darkest times of your life, and it was a pretty dark time in my life, and we met in downtown Orlando, and we just poured out pain. Do you remember that? Oh, of course. It was one of the most ordained moments of my life. I mean, I couldn't even imagine going on living. My life was so difficult. And God let me be in Orlando. And I mean, Dwight, it, it's, it, it, you, you know, you are enough, just your friendship. But, you know, God has let you be a, a counselor for 30 years, you know, and you've coached people. And I can remember specific sentences like they're burned in my mind of things you told me. That was incredible fellowship and connectedness that God gave me when I was drowning. Yep, 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 well, yep. And, and, and um, David Allen was a psychiatrist who trained me a long time ago. 
And one of the things that I loved in his writings, he always talked about how he learned more from his clients because everybody's broken. Everybody's messed up. Everybody has to spend um, most of their life just them. You know, and so there's a difference between lonely and alone. And then the loneliest times in my life, now lonely is not the one you want. Alone is fine because if I'm alone, but I know I'm in deep connected relationship, I don't feel lonely. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. I like being alone. You know, maybe I'm like the woman at the mall. Like I've dropped off the kids at school and I'm like, thank you father. I'm alone for a second and I can, you know, focus. And I, I enjoy, but I guess because I know I'm never alone to be quite honest. I know that, in my studio, when I'm alone, I'm not. God's with me all the time. But being alone feels healthy to me. Having a book, having a cup of coffee. Being lonely sounds like a bad word. Like, it's sad, right? Mother Teresa, when she came to the United States the last time, she said the biggest problem in the U.S. wasn't pornography or abortion or, or all this other stuff. She said it was loneliness. She said, you're the most lonely wow. people on the planet. Okay, so we just have to talk about that more because I've never really talked to anybody about it. Okay. So lonely is nobody understands me, nobody sees me. Um, lonely is I- I'm I'm desolate on the inside. Um, as we kind of just you know process through this, I remember I had a family member going through a horrible crisis, and I was speaking in North Florida, and I drove there, and I literally I cried the whole way there, like weepy cry. And I stood up and I talked about whatever my topic was. And I walked in feeling lonely and I did my polished presentation and I left and drove back three hours home feeling lonely. And I made a decision. I'm not going to do that anymore. And so the next time I spoke somewhere, I let out my pain. And I don't think anybody was really helped that much with the perfectly polished presentation. But the next time I just told stories about, have you ever felt so alone, so sad, so down, you just felt like you were going to be crushed by it? And I stood and cried in front of a group of a few hundred people. And it was, it was real. And when we're real, it connects with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw the sad news today, maybe you did too, that one of the most popular couples and married couples in Hollywood have filed for divorce. Who? Um, Bradgelina. Oh, for reals? For real. According to ABC News. And so when you look at Hollywood, the land of the beautiful people, you would think, wow, they've got it all together. And the reality is, sometimes they're so sad, they're so lonely, they're so down. You know, you look at a Robin Williams. Guy was right. loved by everybody, and yet right. he ended his life. Right. And you think, what's going on? Yeah. All of this pain stays inside. And when I'm able to say, I feel sad and lonely and broken, my gosh, I've made terrible decisions, I've hurt people's feelings, I've been so selfish, I've been scared. But when I can take all of that with somebody else who says, I'm scared too, mm-hmm. I feel sad too, mm-hmm. I'm lonely too, now all of a sudden, we're in it together. And that's what God designed us for, so the key to this whole lonely piece at least for me, was the courage to say, I'm really going through a tough time. I'm just really at a dark place, and I just need somebody to talk me off the ledge. I've got a wonderful friend in Virginia, 
and um, and he's done that for me. A company I was consulting for, and some terrible things were happening, and I was really mad. And I called him and said, I don't want you to, to speak for five minutes. I just need to unpack this. And then I need you to talk me off the ledge because I am really unhappy and I'm about to say and do some things that will not help anybody. It'll just show the level of my care, my need for character development. And Eric listened and he said, okay, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And the wonderful thing about having friendships where you don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You just have to be present mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. have to be honest. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. This is just rich. You know, my mind is just thinking of so many good things as you're talking. Um, that, you know, this feeling that you have to be something special, you have to be perfect, you have to say the right things, you can't express your vulnerability. I had a friend this week just saying, I'm not sure God loves me. It's a friend in ministry. <laughs> you know, I'm sure God loves everybody else, but you know what? I'm not so sure. Just really hurting. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's like I almost had to grip the table because it's like, whoo, that's a lot to hear, you know? But it was honest. And that's what I said. I'm like, whoo, thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest, you know, for trusting me with your pain. Yeah, that's it. It, it takes a lot of courage to be able to say that because. And, and again, my background, you know, I came out of a lot of religion and a lot of religious people are like, okay, well, good luck with that, but uh, I don't really have time. Got to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you talk about your loneliness, like, like, is that something you struggle with now or is that something that was really, really bad in the past? And you like, what, can you unpack it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to. It's not. Um, that's not a struggle now. You know, if I talk about fear, I can struggle with that. You know, by God's grace, loneliness isn't a struggle. You know, when I look at, you know, some of the big challenges, guilt and lust and, and being really resentful or gossip. You know, there are things in the past that God would reveal and then God would heal. And I, that's the yes. f- process that he, he's used yeah. in my life. God reveals it so he can heal it, so he can restore. And loneliness isn't a struggle. Uh, Aloneness is a recharge for me. I spend at least an hour a day, sometimes two, where I'm just uh, focused on certain activities. I don't want to be disturbed. I don't have electronic things going on, no social media, because it's a recharge time. And that's when I exercise and I'll read scripture and things like that. But it's a recharge time. It's a very important part of my day. So I can't really... um, so I've struggled with loneliness in a while, but when I look back, uh, not even that long ago, the, the key was meaningful relationship. It was me instead of trying to act like, you know, I'm the clinician and I'm the therapist and I've got it all figured out, of being able to break down and say, I'm just really struggling right now. Mm-hmm. And having people say, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And that was a turning point for me yeah. mm-hmm. of acceptance. I think all of us are terrified of being judged. Yeah. And I think that's why we hold everything inside. That's why people are afraid to give a speech in public. They're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of the shame that goes along with that. But when you're broken enough, and I was, uh, to be able to say, I'm so sad, um, so depressed. Uh, in fact, you know, we just celebrated 9-11. And with the bombings over the weekend in New York, 
um, and just that sad reality of these are such dark times. Uh, the the team that I worked with at Ground Zero, when you reached out through a radio microphone and said, "How are you doing?" I yeah. fell apart because I knew how to have my 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 you know face on. I can do this. I'm trained to do this. I'm going to help people. But you came with compassion, and I sat in the in the corner of a hotel room when we were talking on the phone. And the corner of that hotel was an old hotel. It had a like one of those steam radiator things that that heated the place. And I sat by the edge of that, and I just broke down and cried. And you were live on the air in Orlando while you did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fear that we have that if we show people how much we struggle and what really we feel and that we will be rejected so we don't, you know, we just keep it, try, we try to keep it all together. But then when you get to the point of brokenness, you said, when you get to a point of enough brokenness, then you just, you, you are who you are and you know who loves you and you know that you're free to be real and broken, Right. Yeah, when you're broken enough and you're just sucking wind, you don't care. You just are broken. When you're desperate enough, you know, it's that, that old song when no one cared about me if I should live or die and nobody bothered asking why I'd go alone and cry. Then I turned to see who was coming to join me in the way and I'd see that it's my Savior and I'd hear him gently say, lean on me when you have no strength to stand and you if you feel like you're going under, hold tighter to my hand. Lean on me when your heart begins to bleed. For when you come to the place where I'm all you have, you'll find I'm all you need. You got to lean on me. Wow. <laughs> I don't know that song, but that was beautiful. <laughs> I heard that when I was in graduate school at Liberty and I lived by myself and I would say that was a time I was crushed by loneliness. I was away from family. I didn't have many friends. I was new there. And I lived by myself in a basement apartment. But Lisa, I had Christian radio. And I listened to WRVL, the radio voice of Liberty. And I listened to those programs. And I had dreams and hopes of one day training and being a counselor and coming back to Orlando to make a difference. And that's when I first heard that song. It was sung by the person uh, uh, who were, sang with a group called the, 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 the Sounds of Liberty. His name was Robbie Heiner. And I heard that lyric and I memorized it because I mm -hmm. thought, you know, when everybody else is away, God is there. And I prayed and eventually built some friendships. And um, even though they were superficial, because I had felt like I had to be perfect and I think as we mature, maybe mm -hmm. it's just part of being older to mm -hmm. say, you know what, this is just who I am. Mm -hmm. And if you're okay with it, good. And if you're not okay with it, that's okay. That's okay. Because this is who I am. This is the pace I work at. But my 20s and 30s weren't like that. But I'm old enough now to, to say not only God reveal it, because I want to know my character flaws, but to openly pray God heal it. Yeah, so yeah. that the restore part, to be able to see things restored, because acting like you have it together, it doesn't help somebody else. It just in some way kind of shames them. It's a whole yeah. Facebook problem. It's just the whole thing is just so dumb, right? Um, speaking of Facebook, I saw uh, a little picture today that said, I'm 98% sure you don't like me, and I'm 100% sure I don't care. <laughs> 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 I was like, yeah, that's, that's good. Where we're going as I get older. That's yeah. how I feel. That's how I feel. 
Um, I wanted to uh, tell you a quick story before okay. we're done, uh, because it keeps coming into my mind, but thinking about loneliness at different times in a person's life where you were truly lonely. And one of those times was when I was doing infertility work oh, yeah. and I stopped spinning in Orlando. I was doing everything imaginable. I was on this TV show. I was doing a radio show. I was doing improv. I was like so involved in everything. And I stopped everything to do infertility work. And my marriage was um, really off, but I didn't understand why everything was off in my life at that point. And I'm doing this infertility work and it was hard. It, I felt lonely. I felt so lonely. And I had this experience. I wanted to talk about God for a second um, and how he is and how he loves us and how he he will go out of his way to meet us in our loneliness. I had this one moment I was sitting in an infertility uh, clinic in Winter Park and um, I, I was waiting for a nurse to come back. And I said to God out loud, I don't know anybody who's gone through the intensity of what I'm going through right now. I, I don't know anybody. I was doing in vitro. And I, w- I said to God, I don't even I've never even met a kid who came to this world through in vitro. God, like I've never even met anyone. That's what I said. <laughs> And the nurse came in and said, you need to go sit in the lobby. It's going to be about 15 minutes. We'll come get you. So I go sit in the lobby. And while I'm sitting there, this woman with uh, long brown hair and this cutest little boy you've ever seen. He was like two years old, big brown, shiny eyes, cute, cute, cute kid. They come and they sit across from me. And we're just both sitting there and we are not talking. But I smiled at her and she smiled at me. And we're both watching the little boy. And she says only a few words to me. This is what she says. He is in vitro. Wow. And I looked at her and I said, really? She goes, yep. His name is Gabriel. That's what she said. Those are the only words she said to me the whole time. He was in vitro. His name is Gabriel. And then the doctors come out and they go, Gabriel. And they say hi. And they all go back into the back to say hi to the doctors. And in that moment of utter loneliness and feeling like I'm all alone, God, there's nobody like me. I'm the only one. This is too hard. He sends this lady. I don't even know if she was real. She may have been an angel. <laughs> that yeah. When you said Gabriel. that, that's what I thought. I thought, <laughs> I you know, know, Gabriel, this could have been like, you know, know. God sending an angel just to just to say, girl, I got this. Hey, you're not alone. I see you. I'll never leave you. I see you. I see you. You know, um, I see you. You're not alone. I am with you in your suffering. I've got you. I've got a plan. You're my girl. I love you. I I got you, you know? So that's what I felt. I've never forgotten that one little moment of utter loneliness. And so I just want to say that as we end, that in your utter loneliness, there is God. And when you walk through this valley that feels like the shadow of death of loneliness, that he is with you, but you just have to open your heart to him. You have to talk to him. You have to be willing to say, I am undone, Jesus, and he will be there with you because he also has walked that path. You know, he's yeah. a man of sorrows. He knows what it's like to be utterly alone and be forgotten by everyone, even his closest friends, turn their back on him. And he knows what loneliness feels like, and he will be there for you if you call out to him. You know, when I think about Jesus spent so much time by himself, 
But when Satan came and tempted him in the wilderness, he'd been alone for 40 days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But because of the spirit, because of ministering angels, because of the Gabriels, mm -hmm. he wasn't struggling with loneliness. He was struggling with hunger. You know, Satan came and tempted him with, with food. Satan tempted him with a, a sense of identity. Hey, you know, everybody will, you know, will, will cheer you and everybody will applaud you. But he didn't tempt him with, you're going to have a friend because Jesus already, already had that. And you and I can have that too. When we have a restored relationship with God, I think the greatest thing that, that maybe we could point you know, our friends to that are sitting at the table with us today is the whole idea of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't understand that when I was in my 20s and 30s, but I do now. And the idea that, that Jesus promised a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yeah. And that we can have a spiritual connection with God simply by asking, God, would you send your spirit? And he does. Yeah. And then you're not alone. We still need humans. We still need other people. But at least there's not that crushing feeling of, of loneliness that kind of sucks the life out. And for many people, sadly, leads to uh, depression or even self-destructive behaviors. Yes. Being able to say, Holy Spirit, be with me. God, send your spirit to be with me. And, and when I learned that and started doing that, there wasn't the loneliness. But here's the cool thing. Now, once I got past some of my own pity, I could see other lonely people and I could reach out and just give them an, a word of encouragement or even just to show some respect or just to really stop and listen to their story. Because as God heals something in us, then he can use us to go heal something in somebody else. That's what we're going to end on right there. So thank you, Dwight, for all the things that you've shared and for your vulnerability today. And if by chance you want to reach out to Dwight, you know, just to send him a message or encourage him or ask a question or whatever, you find him at DwightBain.com. Hashtag thanks for listening.